Hello, and welcome to Cultivate, a podcast about leadership in agriculture in rural Oklahoma. My name is RJ Gray, and I'm the CEO of the Oklahoma Agricultural Cooperative Council. In this podcast, we talk to a variety of leaders in our industry about their leadership journey, their influences, their unique challenges. We're going to hear some success stories, and we're going to hear some war stories, but it's all done through the unique lens of agriculture in Oklahoma. Our guest today is Brent Haken, the State Director of the Oklahoma Career Tech System, a role he's held since January of this year. Brent grew up showing livestock, which led to him studying ag education at Oklahoma State University. He started his career as an ag teacher before moving into school administration, where he served three years as a superintendent of Morrison Public Schools. Uh, Mr. Haken, thank you for joining us today. And I know um, we, we grew up um, close to each other growing up in Ripley and you and uh, Glencoe, which was a rival of ours. And then you were superintendent at one of our even bigger rivals at Morrison. Right. So our coach actually used to burn a hat, a Morrison hat, <laughs> when, we, when we played I Morrison. I didn't know that. I don't yeah. know how to come on this show. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't understand what, what, his, uh, what his issue was with Morrison. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Just pretty competitive. That's all right. That's Nothing right. wrong with that. So uh, this marks six months that you've uh, been the head of the State Department of Career Tech, you know, one of the best career tech programs in the country. Uh, tell us how you uh, have approached your six months and what you've learned. Well, good. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, one of the best in, in the nation, in the world. Our career tech system is pretty different from mm-hmm. a lot of people. But the approach to that system and coming in, really not being a part of an agency before, understanding what I thought career tech was, um, but knowing that I probably don't know the ins and outs of how everything works has been to watch and listen. Yeah. Okay, so let's see what's going on uh, out in the field and uh, try to spend every minute that I could on the road so that I know what's going on. Because really when you come into these roles as a, an agency head or director or whatever they want to call it, I'm going to have to make decisions that affect everybody. Yeah. So how am I going to make those decisions if I don't really know what's going on? So yeah. uh, that's that's been the first six months is listening, uh, seeing what's going on, trying to put my, my eyes on, uh, okay, is that working well or is there ways that we can grow? So that's really what I've been doing. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, I think uh, everyone we've talked to, I think um, – has told us, you know, that, that, that period of wait and listen, right? Just learn and listen. Yeah. Um, what, what is it uh, about your past that uh, you think makes you uh, qualified for this role? And, and what do you think the selection committee saw in you? Well, in trying to figure out and not speak for them, but figure out what, you know, why did they choose me? Why are they investing in me to, to take this position? And I really hope and I feel like it's because I, I have shown a passion for people and building people up and letting them see the opportunities that are in front of them or maybe the opportunities they didn't know were there. I tried to do that as an agriculture education instructor for students, tried to do that for students when I was a principal and when I was a superintendent and let people see that there's a whole world of opportunities career tech system is vital for letting that happen for lots of families. So I think that that shines out that I ha- I'm invested in what our system does, yeah. that I believe that we can be even better than we are today. Absolutely. So, you know, honestly, there might be some listeners that aren't that familiar, mm-hmm. believe it or not, with the career tech system, but can you kind of talk about kind yeah. of what you guys do, what your mission is? Uh, no, it's great that you bring <laughs> that up because that's one thing I figured out when I came into this role six months ago, I thought everybody knows career tech in Oklahoma. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what we do. But I realized that we don't. Yeah. We know maybe the personal experience that we have. Maybe I was in an ag program or a fax program, or maybe I went and took a welding class at a tech center. But we don't know the, the vastness of everything that we do yeah. and the fact that we have adult family education. Yeah. And then we have 32 centers for that all across the state so that people that missed an opportunity to get their high school diploma can come back and get high school equivalency or GED. And we offer that through our system. The fact that if somebody had a a past that didn't lead down a great path 
and they ended up incarcerated, then we have 17 centers right now within the prison system That's with awesome. the OC where they can get trade education. And there's, there's businesses all over the state that were founded by people that went through those skill center programs. That's awesome. And the fact that we serve business and industry specifically with customized training or individual training or whatever is needed for the business in that community through our technology centers. You know, we have almost a half a million enrollments wow. in the career tech system. And it's not all one way or another. It's, you know, it's 138,000 students through a K-12 school platform or it's the individual training that I talked about. Almost half of our enrollments are through those training models. So it's a big system that's complicated, and a lot of times people don't associate that all of that is part of career tech. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I certainly didn't know some of those programs. Mm -hmm. So uh, how well do you guys work with the OSU Extension and the Cooperative, and the cooperative Extension Service? Oh, so the, the way that we work with Cooperative Extension changes from community to community, and that's what's awesome about our system and the OSU Extension system is that it fits the needs of the area that it's in. Absolutely. So sometimes we align with training, and yeah. sometimes we align by hosting them in our centers. So that varies greatly depending on where it is, but we... Uh, have a great relationship with not just OSU Extension, but the 4-H service and part partnership with that and making sure that our our goal is to blur all these lines of educational service. And that's, that's awesome. what OSU Extension is. Um, that's what K-12 does. That's what higher ed does. How do we blur those lines and make sure that everybody's getting the opportunities they need? That's awesome. Thanks for that. So your background is um, obviously as an FFA advisor, mm -hmm. certainly helps your credibility with, with the ag community. Um, do you do you also have to be careful not to be seen as showing favoritism towards the ag programs? <laughs> well, uh, I probably do. Yeah. I, I didn't come into my mind too much. I mean, every now and then you're yeah. thinking, okay, am I thinking like an ag teacher? Or am I thinking like the state director? <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but I think that's what is unique yeah. and has helped me to get where I am is the fact that uh, agriculture education teachers have to have such a diverse background with what they do. Yeah. So that led to a great path for administration. That led to a great path for the, the position that I'm in now, that the relationships you build with people and the way that you understand how the big picture works yeah. is pretty instrumental. And you don't necessarily get that in every job and occupation. So I'm blessed to have that opportunity that, you know, as an ag teacher, I had to understand how the whole school system works. So yeah. I could maximize potential there. And that helped me move on. And then as an administrator, I got the, to see how the whole system works yeah. education wise. So uh, yeah, you, you want to be non-jaded, but also play to your strengths, play <laughs> to right. what you're good absolutely. at. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and, and we certainly would love that as well. So switching gears on you, uh, tell us a little bit about your mentors and role models, either growing up or as an adult in your career. Oh, man, that's, wow. That would We could go on for hours and hours, but I won't do that. Yeah. So I'll talk about just a few things. My parents were always a good guiding light for me, getting me uh, involved in lots of activities, especially yeah. my mom. You know, my dad would, would have probably preferred I just stayed on the farm and worked. <laughs> but mom wanted to make sure that I was involved in lots of activities. Yeah. So through that came the, the birth and the involvement in FFA and what FFA was. My grandpa was really excited about that. He was actually a VICA teacher, which was early uh, years of shop and, okay. and what career tech has, has modeled uh, some of the trade and industry after. But so, so he gave me experience on that side too, but really uh, my grandfather was a great mentor in the cattle business and, and showing me what, you know, I can do in education too. And cause he was a teacher as well. So was really good for me. But as I became um, more involved in my career, my first teaching partner was Marty Colson at Wellston, still teaches ag there, was a great mentor for me to understand, to get involved in your association, be a part of the organization, give back to the organization. And so that showed me what career tech really was when I started yeah. in my early years of teaching. 
And when I moved to Stillwater as an ag instructor, uh, I met, that's where I first met Fred Schultz. And Fred Schultz was a superintendent at Meridian and, and had many roles in career tech before that, but really started mentoring me on what the system does and how vital an ag program is, but not just an ag program, because our tech centers are so vital to our, yeah. our community. So opened my eyes to that. Then when I came to Morrison and I had uh, a lot of people that I'm leaving out, but Phil Birkenbaugh was there and, yeah. and had been the superintendent at Morrison before, had been the state director of yeah. career tech before. So that just was a perfect alignment of all these things that I had goals for myself. He had done and been there. So I have been very blessed with the the mentors that I've had in my life. And those are some of probably the key folks. Yeah. And, and most of it revolves around either agriculture or education. <laughs> so those those two facets of life are very important for me. What else do you need? That's Ag right. Education. Yeah. <laughs> so how would you describe your leadership style or philosophy? Mm, that's tough. We might have to ask the people that, that work for me. They may have to <laughs> 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 yeah. what they think that is. But I do try to be pretty open-minded and, and listen. So, yeah. um, But I don't want to be hesitant to make decisions either. Yeah. So when decisions need to be made, then that, that's my role, and I want to own that. Uh, so I guess that my leadership style is I want people to feel uh, valued, that their ideas are valued. So how do we make sure that, that happens? Well, we collaborate on yeah. what happens. But also, I don't want them to, to feel like I won't make the, a stand when a stand needs to be made, because decisions are important. Yeah. Uh, whether they're right or wrong, the fact that we made a decision and that we understood the implications of that decision are very important. So to look at leadership as a, as a style or a format, I don't know that you can put one word on that. I know many people have, and you can read lots of different um, you know books and, and, and yeah. messages about leadership. But I think what's important is to value people mm-hmm. and then make decisions when you need to make decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's awesome. So, you know, uh, you're still new in the job, obviously mm-hmm. not, you know, in, in your career, but you're new to this current role. What words of wisdom would you have for others who may have been newly appointed to leadership roles, you know, especially if it's someone who's come from the outside? Mm-hmm. So uh, words of wisdom would be dig in a little bit and, yeah. and figure out what people are doing. Just don't take everything that you hear um, to heart and, and really dig in and try to see for yourself what's going on. Um, and then after you kind of feel like you have a, a little bit of knowledge and understanding of, of what's going on, get to know the people, yeah. build a relationship with people. And you're not talking about we're going to be best friends necessarily in, in six months of being there, but okay, know what, what they're good at and what makes yeah. them tick. And, uh, if you can figure out what people like to do and what their strengths are, then you're going to be, it's going to be a lot easier for you to make steps in the yeah. right direction to, as we make changes in our organization or as we look at uh, where the future holds, I know whose strengths are going to help me get there. And uh, so really digging in, I think, and understanding the organization, especially if you're an out, outsider coming in, is really, really huge. But the, probably the most important thing, and everybody will probably tell you the same thing, is to make sure you do what you say you're going to do. Yep. So if, if you're communicating with somebody that, hey, this is, this is what I want to happen, make sure you're following up on, on your end. Yeah. So I think the biggest mistake that leaders make many times is as they set a great direction and a vision maybe for people, then they don't help anyone get there. They don't support it. So you've got to be able to make sure that you can follow through with that mission and that focus. Yeah. So those, those two things, digging in and then following up and following through. So Very good. Yeah. Um, there are 29 career tech districts across the state, all with a unique curriculum curriculum to fit the need in their community. How do you ensure the balance between local programming, but with the system wide standards and expectations, and and really how do you keep everything aligned? Oh, that, yeah, that's a great question because we we actually get that question quite often. Like, well, we have local boards and we have local mm-hmm. control, which is a great thing, uh, and, and as Oklahomans, we believe in that. 
But what we do from the state agency, and because we are an independent agency and most career tech state, state career tech systems don't have that, mm. we have the ability to be their accreditor. Okay. So we make sure that we go through the, the red tape, so to speak, yeah. with the federal guidelines to make sure that we are an accrediting agency. So that's how we make sure that every technology center is meeting the same standards, that we're providing the same opportunities to students. Now, curriculum may look a little bit different, but did they meet the same standards? And that's, that's where we make sure that uh, that's being followed, that the same, we're, we are a clock hour system, so making sure that they're meeting those same clock hours criteria. What's really cool about our system, and a lot of people may not know this, is that all of our programs meet industry standard. Okay. So if you're in a manufacturing business or, or if you're in a plumbing or if you're uh, heat and air, there's going to be an industry certificate that is usually unanimous with the employment opportunities. That's going to be the standard that we're going to hold you to is okay. you meet this standard. And that's why we say we work as a demand style education system, whereas most education systems in the world are supply style, yeah. whereas they supply a, a set of opportunities to people. We change our opportunities based off what the industry is needing. So it's the demand that they that our economies supply to us. That's yeah. what we're going to teach you to. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Actually, I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's yeah. awesome. Um, so we've all made mistakes, and we learn from them. What have been some of the biggest lessons you've learned um, in your career from some of your mistakes? Ooh, that's, that's a great question. I've probably made so many mistakes I can't keep <laughs> up with what the, the biggest ones are. Um, but I, I, you know, go back to what, I would offer to people as the opportunities for success, those things have been the, yeah. the hard knocks that you learn is yeah. when you don't follow something through that you said you were going to or um, when you don't, the biggest mistakes are when you didn't let somebody know the expectations were out there for them. Yeah. And then uh, something fell through the cracks or, or you know, that's going to get egg on your face and you're like, well, if I would have laid out the expectations, then, uh, then that wouldn't have been a problem. But uh, other than that, I don't have any regrets in my career. I don't yeah. have, uh, feel like I missed any opportunities. I try to take the most uh, of every moment, seize what opportunities are there. So those things don't, don't have any regrets. Yeah. But there are plenty of times where you make a decision and you're like, oh, that wasn't the best decision. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but don't have a problem yeah. owning that either. I think yeah. that builds people's uh, respect within your organization Absolutely. too when you just yeah. say, all right, I screwed that one up. That one's on me. We'll fix it next time. Yeah. And, and don't be afraid to say that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you spend a lot of time in rural Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you uh, see as some of the biggest challenges and what kind of leadership is it going to take to solve Ooh, them? That, yeah. So the whole reason that I got into administration in the very beginning, because I'm a rural person, yeah. uh, you know, I've, I've taught in rural Oklahoma, I've taught in more urban setting in Stillwater, not super urban, but I've, I've always been a rural person. I grew up on wheat harvest. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what my family did since 1948. That's where they're at right now. Um, so I love rural Oklahoma. The reason I got into administration was because there's a lack of leadership in rural Oklahoma, not just in schools, but in everywhere. Agreed. Because yeah. they're going to funnel to where the economies are stronger most of the time. Mm-hmm. So rural uh, Oklahoma has struggled economically because it, it is very uh, direct in the job opportunities that are there. There's not as many diverse opportunities there, as there are in an mm-hmm. urban setting. So leadership tends to go that direction because you get compensated for the ability to be a good leader. That's right. Uh, And that hasn't happened necessarily in rural Oklahoma. So hopefully those things are changing and and we're seeing a change because of current administration wanting to promote rural Oklahoma. So I see some great growth there. We're not there yet. But uh, going back to to thinking about what do we need, what are our obstacles, 
I think the obstacle there is just drawing people that are highly motivated mm-hmm. and and want to be successful, want to be those leaders to stay there because the the uh, opportunities for their families need to be there as well. Absolutely. So if we can't provide those opportunities for good good families to be there, then it's hard for them to to have a draw to stay. If I'm a highly motivated person, I need to go where those opportunities are. Absolutely, yeah. And some of those, there's some hidden gems, right? Yeah. So when you think about rural people generally they're autonomous they're they're quiet mm-hmm. they just want to do their thing they, you yeah. know let's do their farming or, or whatever and so giving them the power mm-hmm. you know to be able to stay there and then draw them out when you need them right I yeah mean, that's that's awesome yeah and, and we are starting to see now where there are opportunities for our rural folks to be yeah. very successful because of what really the pandemic showed us that you can be successful in in a lot of places from your your own home and from your own area so we're seeing some opportunities but i still think the the family unit where we want to raise our families uh, drives people to where they live so we have to have amenities there absolutely yeah and that's one of our our big pushes with broadband especially Mm -hmm. with um with learning what we learned through covid yeah um but you know i was actually in a meeting most of the day yesterday and we were talking about having a follow-up meeting and we have guys coming from the texas panhandle to you know to to the southeast kansas to north north uh northwest and we're talking about (laughs) zoom and and while they hate it, I think they, they you know, uh, to me, Zoom, using a Zoom or Teams or whatever it is, is probably no different than sitting in a meeting. You just got to, oh, yeah. you just got, you know, and I think. Learn to work with it. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Learn to work with it. One thing that's been unique about, and we talk about rural Oklahoma and staying yeah. on that subject, is the uh, the craving that they have had late, yeah. lately uh, for career tech to be in rural spaces. We yeah. have had three of what we call our white spaces recently want to look at voting to being a part of a tech, uh, technology center district. That's that, awesome. That's a cool thing. Um, two of them passed, one failed, and that's okay because it's local control, local decisions. The other thing that we're seeing is more schools saying, hey, let's bring a, a fax program back to our rural community or let's bring BPA back to our rural community. Let's bring an opportunity for our students to stay motivated in school. So that's showing us that they're seeing if we want something in rural Oklahoma, we're going to have to invest in it. Yeah. So that, that's really cool to see that people want to build back. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, that's awesome. I think, I think too, there's a, our generation, I think really um, um, wants to raise their family in that environment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, oh yeah. Um, uh, so how is it, this is a question I have, and interesting, you know, from your ag teacher background, and obviously I know you worked in administration, but when you're leading in adults versus leading kids, how is that different, or is it similar in your mind? Mm, there's similarities. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there are similarities. Um, the the th- And I taught high school kids, so it's a little closer to adult than if I was sure. elementary kids or anything sure. like that. Uh, I think what people appreciate, whether ad- adults or kids, they appreciate honesty with them and, yeah. and just being willing to sit down and talk through things, even if it's news that they don't want to hear. Okay, you're willing to sit yeah. down and talk with me. So leading people is about having that communication, that willingness to open the doors and talk. Okay, yeah. And uh, so th- there's not much difference from that standpoint. What I will notice about uh, adults versus kids is adults are way more opinionated. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and they think, you know, they think they have a lot more... <laughs> You haven't yeah. met my boys, apparently. So, <laughs> so they, they have I- ideas and they want yeah. to be heard about. A lot of times yeah. uh, kids will, will go along with whatever yeah. um, you can motivate them to do, whereas adults are going to have their own ideas and agendas on things too. Yeah. So uh, you have to listen to that first before yeah. you take steps. So it's a little slower to lead adults than it is kids. Yeah. Kids is, uh, is quicker. 
I mean, you can, you get them motivated and and go after something. They're ready to go. They, that's like coaching a kid and, you know, in basketball or football or whatever it is, I can get them pumped up and ready to go. All right. With an adult, I'm going to have to take some more time. (laughs) Show them where we're going, what we're doing. And okay, now we're ready to go. (laughs) So, um, you know, you can't give what you don't have. Uh, so what sort of podcast books on leadership do you, do you like, do you read, do you recommend? Yeah. So, uh, I'm not, I don't listen to a whole lot of podcasts, but I try to do some reading when I can. Yeah. Some of my favorite things to read, and you guys are going to think I'm the weirdest person in the world. <laughs> I don't know about but that. But I read history books on former presidents. Oh, that's so, what we yeah. All, yeah, yeah, I'm a Probably too. my yeah. favorite book is Lincoln on Leadership. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I taught with that book when I was in the classroom. I used it with my faculty and staff. Yeah. Um, and then... There's some other figures, you know, whether it's Vince Lombardi or whoever it is. John yeah. Wooden's my favorite coach. Oh, yeah. Russell knows is is uh, anything that John Wooden has written or written about him. I like to follow because I think the guy was uh, an example for mm-hmm. all people to follow. So uh, figures in history that I see as doing the best at their craft. Yeah, that's what I want to read about. Okay, why why were they good at at yeah. their job, and you know what did they believe, and what were their values, and try to follow that. So uh, other than that, when I'm in the car and I'm in the car a lot, I'm, I'm yeah. pumping myself up. So it's pretty uh, pretty fast paced music, whether it's <laughs> rock or Christian or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I got to feel good about the day or what I'm going into. So that that's where I'm headed. That's awesome. So this is the last question, and I've asked everybody this, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a lo- uh, loaded question. But uh, sounds great. Yeah, (laughs) sounds like you want to answer it. So, who do you think is the greatest leader in the history of Oklahoma? Ooh, wow, that is a a loaded question. Oh man, yeah, yeah, because they may hear this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That that would be a problem. Yeah, Uh, but I have a lot of respect for Blaine Arthur. I think what she has done, uh, Department of Ag, but also for. Uh, for girls to look up to, my Absolutely. daughter looks up to her, and so many people see what she does, and and uh, I'm pretty excited about what she's doing for Oklahoma currently. So us as well. I, I like her uh, her philosophy on things, the way she listens to people, uh, yeah. just just really impressive. So you know, um, some people might be looking to other figures, but I think uh, Blaine Arthur's done a really good job. Oh no, she's done a phenomenal job. We love her, and you know the other great thing about her is is she moved to Ripley. That's right. She was living in Morrison. She That's, was. The problem. That's the problem. Dang yeah. it. Yeah. Right yeah. before I got into administration, she moved. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd like to keep that connection with her. Yeah. You know, I think she grew up, what, Chickasha, I think? Yeah, she yeah, did. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we, we love uh, Secretary Arthur. She's been phenomenal for, for agriculture and for rural Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was a great, great pick. Um, well, we really uh, appreciate your time. I know no, you're busy, and here. I know especially trying to learn new roles and learn about new people you lead. I um, really appreciate the time to be here and do this with us. No, thank you, RJ. I love being here. So anytime we can be a part, let us, uh, the, the way we make Oklahoma better is everybody working together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you all for being here for this episode of Cultivate. I'm RJ Gray with the Oklahoma Agriculture Cooperative Council, and we'll see you next time.